morning. It's good to see you all. I'm glad to be able to fill in for our pastor while he's away. Uh, I would encourage you to pray for him and for his family to do that regularly so that he can serve God and serve us well. I want to tell you up front what I would like to accomplish this morning. I want to make following Jesus easier for you. I'm not going to do that by trying to ignore something that he's taught or downplaying something that he has taught. Actually, I hope to achieve my goal by taking something that Jesus has taught and showing you how to take that even more seriously than you have. So to do this, we're going to take a look at the Beatitudes. Uh, but first, let's, uh, let's ask the Father's blessing. Okay, so let's pray. O God who speaks, so that your people might know how to live well, speak to us now, so that we might honor you with our lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord, who has made such living possible. Amen. While we're going to focus on just one of the Beatitudes, I think it would be good for you to hear all of them. And so listen, please, to what Jesus has to say. <clears throat> Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the beatitude that we're going to focus on is the first one. So let me read that again for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So let's take this apart and see what Jesus is talking about. What does Jesus mean by this phrase, poor in spirit? What is this poverty that he is talking about? Now, Let's point out the obvious first. He's not talking about having enough to pay your bills. Okay, Jesus is not talking about poor in financial resources. That's not on the table whatsoever. But could Jesus be talking about something like you know emotional poverty? Uh, that is, uh, is this him saying you got to keep your feelings in check? You know, you need to be solemn. No, no. Jesus does not want us to live that way. Quite the opposite. Here, Jesus is talking about a different kind of poverty, a different kind of lack of resources. Jesus wants us to know that we just don't have the resources needed 
ideal well This teaching is about our inability to live well. Now, this is a theme that shows up in lots of places uh, in the Bible. Uh, so listen, we'll read two Psalms of David, where David describes himself as poor. Okay, here's the first one. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And here's the second one. As for me, I am poor and needy. The Lord took thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh, do not delay. Oh, my God. So think about it now. What is David writing about? He's not writing about money in the bank. And he's not writing about trying to be solemn. It's clear David is calling out to his God because he is he is needy. He does not have the resources to deal with what is going on. He knows he cannot fix this. And so he calls out to his God. Okay, L listen again. This poor man cried. And, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. As for me, I am poor and needy. The Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. In this beatitude, Jesus considers this attitude of being in need. And he describes those who have that attitude as blessed. How blessed are those who know they cannot solve the problems that trouble them? How blessed are those who know they cannot fix what's wrong? How blessed are those who know that they are poor in spirit? Just like you. In this beatitude, Jesus is teaching that living as one of his disciples is living aware you don't have it. You don't have the resources to deal with the difficulties that life throws at you. When it comes to having what is needed to live well, you're bankrupt. You've got nothing. Or in spirit. Now, that might sound a little odd to you. Really, it's, it's not. If you think about it. So consider. How does someone become a Christian? Okay? How does someone become a Christian? What, what does a lost person say to himself in that process? It might go something like this. He starts. I have a problem. I have a problem that I most certainly cannot deal with. I have a problem that I certainly cannot fix. And my problem is this. I am such a sinful person, and God is such a holy God. That's a huge problem. A huge problem confronting me, and I there's absolutely nothing I can do to fix it. I don't have what I need to fix it. Okay, so now, if a person is going to be converted, what comes next? Well, he says something like this to himself. But Jesus can deal with this problem. He says he can fix it. So I, I give up having any hope in myself. I will trust him to do exactly what he has promised. I will trust him to do what I certainly cannot do. So you see, the key to becoming a Christian, becoming a disciple of Jesus, is acknowledging you cannot solve this huge problem that confronts you in your life. 
You don't have what it takes so that you can live well in light of this huge issue. You need Jesus. You need him to do what you cannot do. And that's how a person becomes a Christian. And that is being born spirit. But here's the point that I want you to get this morning. The key to living as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, is also acknowledging you still cannot solve any of the problems of your life. You don't have what it takes so that you can live well. It's acknowledging that while there are many differences between the old you as an unbeliever and the new you as a Christian, here's one thing that's the same. You still need Jesus. You still need Jesus as you face what each and every day brings your way. You still are poor in spirit. Here's where it's helpful, I think, to uh, remember something Jesus said originally to his apostles and continues to say to you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This old Bible I have, still have, it's on my shelf. I have that underlined boldly in red when I first read that. Apart from me, you and do nothing. And by nothing, Jesus means nothing. That's poor in spirit. And so in the Beatitudes, Jesus is not doing evangelism. No, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to live as his disciples. The Beatitudes are for his disciples. So remember, how, how these Beatitudes start. I'll read the beginning again. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Jesus here in the Beatitudes is teaching his disciples how to live. So let me say it again. The key to living as a Christian, living as a disciple of Jesus, is acknowledging that you cannot solve the issues of your life. You don't have what it takes so that you can live well. It's acknowledging that while there are many differences between you as an unbeliever and you as a Christian, here's one thing that's the same. You still need Jesus. You still need Jesus as you face what each and every day sends your way. You are still born spirit. As a result of what Jesus is teaching in this beatitude, there's to be a theme in your life, a theme that touches everything in your life. You are to respond to the demands of life with this simple statement, this really simple sentence. I can't do this. I can't do this. Now I'm going to guess that many of you are reacting to what I just said. What do you mean I, I need to respond to life by saying I can't do this? Why should I say that? It's not true. All of us. Oh, see, I'm not surprised if that's what you think. I'll tell you what. All of us 
have been told since we were really young that we can, in fact, deal with life. And we can do a pretty good job of it. All we need to do is try hard enough or put our minds to it or uh, apply ourselves or, you know, adopt that can-do spirit. We've been told we have all the resources that we need to deal with whatever comes down the pike. We can do it. Here, let me mention a feeling that comes to those who think this way. And I dare say we have all felt this way at one point or another. We have all felt a sense of shame. We have felt that when we try to do something, we couldn't do it. Especially something everybody expected that we would be able to do. You, you can't do that? What's wrong with you? Now, maybe nobody said those words, but we were all quite sure they were thinking that. From our early years on, we've been told we can do whatever is necessary. We have all the resources that are needed. And so once we became Christians, we simply brought that same attitude with us to being a disciple. All we need to do is try hard enough. Put your mind to it. Apply yourself. Adopt the can-do spirit. And as a result, this, this idea of poor in spirit, it makes no sense. And what are the results of doing that sort of Of living with that kind of expectation of yourself? Well, for some people, what follows is a sense of pride. Hey, look at me. Look at how well I'm doing with my life. I can do this, and I can do it well. That works for some people because they've convinced themselves they're doing it all really well. And there are lots of people who are impressed with how they appear to be doing it all so well. But what does Jesus think of that kind of person? Does he think this person is doing it really well? See, here's one big problem with a folk who think that way. They simply look at their behavior. There are things that they're supposed to do, and they have their checklist of activities to be performed, and they are doing all those activities. You know, they're doing them pretty well. They're going down the checklist. Yeah, did that, did that, did that. Okay, we're good, right? But is that how Jesus evaluates the life? Because he does that, you know. He evaluates life. Consider the Pharisees. They also had a checklist of activities, things that had to be performed, and they did all those things actually did all right doing those things. So they thought they were doing well. And there were lots of people who were impressed with them. What was going on in their hearts? Jesus was quite clear. Their hearts were awful. Their hearts were unholy. They were not living well. Not according to Jesus. How they fooled themselves. They fooled other people. 
But it did not fool Jesus. Some people think that they are doing well. Their religion is worthless. Worthless for this life as well as the next. But see, then there are other people. They look at themselves. And they know. They know they're, they're just not doing well. They have tried and tried. They've prayed and prayed. They've cried out to God so many times. But it's clear to them they're not doing anywhere close to well enough. They see themselves as failing. Or actually, it's better said, they see themselves as failures. And so, instead of pride, that's the first group. Here, there is despair. They are hopeless. So they quit trying. Oh, they still go to, through all the motions. They still go to church and all that stuff. But they know it's not working. They know that. And they're holding on with their fingernails. And, and I think it's important to say both of those groups, but the second one more. Here's where I'm coming from. I think some of you are despairing or are very close to this. You hear, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do the other thing, and you try, you try, you try. And in moments of really being honest with yourself, you say, not doing this well, not doing this well. It was particularly for you all that I wanted to preach on this. Now, what the, both the proud and the despairing are missing is something that's really important. They're missing what Jesus taught. Blessed are the poor spirit. Well, let me, let me say it again. The key to living as a Christian, to, the key to living as a disciple of Jesus is acknowledging you cannot solve the issues of life. You don't have what it takes so that you can live well. It's acknowledging that while there are many differences between you as an unbeliever and you as a Christian, here's one thing that is the same. You still need Jesus. You still need Jesus as you face what each and every day throws at you. You still are poor in spirit. All right, now for the practical question. What is this supposed to look like? All right, so there you are. And you hear Jesus call you to do something. And you know he wants you to do it. So how are you to respond? But how's, how's this? You start by saying, I see what you want me to do, Lord. And I can see it's good and right. No debate. Okay, then, then you say, I want to do what you have called me to do. But what do you say next? You say this. can't do it. I am poor and needy. I can't do it. It's not that I don't want to do it. No, 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 no. It's just, I just can't. I really want to, but I can't. It's clear to me, I don't have what it takes to do what you have called me to do, not in the way that you want it done. Behavior stuff, anybody can do that. The way you want it done from the heart, I can't do that. And that sets up the last thing that you say. But I know that you can give me whatever I need so that I can do what you want me to do. 
So Lord Jesus, give me what I need so that I can live well, doing what you want and doing it in the way that you want. And then simply expect Jesus to act. Expect him to do whatever is necessary so that you can do whatever it is that he has called you to do. Now, just to be clear, I am not saying you have to use those exact words. In fact, the goal is not to use words at all. Rather, the goal is for this to, be, for this to become a basic response of your heart. Whenever Jesus calls you to act. So don't focus on the words. Okay? Don't focus on the words. Now, you may want to start by using words, you know, words that might be helpful. Fine. Fine. But it's not the words that really matter. It's the attitude of the heart that really matters. Okay? Behavior. Anybody can say the words. But what? It's the heart. Isn't it? Okay? It's the attitude of the heart that really matters. Remember the Pharisees. So, what you want to aim for is to have your heart convinced that you're poor in spirit. That apart from Jesus, you really can do nothing. But also, also, and this is important, equally important, you want you want your heart to be convinced that because he is the kind of savior that he is, Jesus will give you all that you need, all that you need, so that you can do whatever it is that he calls you to do. So, not to get really practical or anything, but right now Jesus is calling all of you to be this kind of disciple. Right? I mean, there's the, there's the beatitude. He's calling you to be a disciple who has this kind of attitude, a disciple who is poor in spirit. That's what he's calling all of you to be. All right? And how do you respond to this call of Jesus? What are you supposed to do? You respond like this. Well, Jesus, I can't do that. I'm going to interrupt myself. I would dare say that many of you, maybe most of you, maybe even all of you, I've heard enough sermons where the guy preaching says, hey, this is what you've got to do. And all you're left with is, okay, I've got to do this thing. I don't know how I'm going to do this thing, but I've got to do this thing that he just said. And that becomes a burden. And you will either end up as proud because you have the right behavior, or as despairing or on your way there because you know, I can't do this. So, how do you respond to the call of Jesus? respond like this. Lord Jesus, I can't do this. I want to. I really do. I know that I can't. You know that. I am poor and needy. I am poor in spirit. But I also know that you can act so that I can do it. But please give me what I need so that I can live in this way. So that I can live as a real disciple of yours. Now, I hope that you can see why I started this sermon by telling you I want to make following Jesus easier for you. Because some of you are just overwhelmingly burdened. This is hard. I can't do it. 
if you listen to what Jesus says about being poor in spirit, uh, then you realize the dynamic to that you will be able to do it. Okay? But what do you have to do? Acknowledge the truth. You can't obey Jesus in the way that needs to happen, in the way that he wants. You can't do it. You really can't. Acknowledge the truth. And then depend on him to do whatever is necessary for you to do what he has called you to do. To live, to live as a very faithful son. Now to be sure, there will be times when living well as a disciple will be hard. But even then, being faithful to Jesus will be easier than what you now fear. Because you do fear. Think about something. If that happens, oh my goodness, I can't. Jesus has grace for weak and needy people like us. People who are poor in spirit. That's the gospel. But here's the punchline. Leave the gospel relax. Now let's have some quiet. I want you to reflect on what Jesus is talking about. And then I will... will uh, will lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you. Following Jesus is all about depending We thank you that ours is a religion of grace. Help us, Father, to believe that and to live it. It's the gospel. We ask this through Jesus, who is eager to make us into very faithful disciples. Amen.